Welcome to Ahead of the Curve, a breakout investors podcast. Today, we're back to provide an provide updates on a company that is increasingly capturing the attention of the community, Permafix, ticker P-E-S-I. Joining me to provide the updates are breakout investors Aaron Warwick and Florian Buschek. But first, a disclaimer, no one on this call is an investment advisor and no one is providing investment advice. This podcast is for information purposes only. Before investing in any company stock, you must do your own research. Supporting materials for today's discussion will be posted on the Breakout Investors Discussion app, which can which can be accessed via your browser at app.breakoutinvestors.com, or you can let, download the mobile app by visiting either the Apple or Android store. The application and much of the research content is free. Now to our topic, Permafix, ticker P-E-S-I. Aaron, could you get us started with a small background and then introduce the main theme of today's uh, discussion. Yeah, sure. We've we've done episodes on Permafix in the past, and for anyone who wants to get to know that their business better, I recommend you check out uh, my Seeking Alpha articles or the previous podcasts uh, that we've had. Florian also has a Seeking Alpha article out there. Uh, long story short, the company uh, deals primarily in the nuclear waste uh, cleanup, whether it be servicing. Uh, different sites run by the government, or whether it be treating nuclear waste at its own facilities. And so that is sort of what we wanted to talk about today, uh, relates to the nuclear waste cleanup at the Hanford site in the state of Washington. It's my understanding is it's the biggest uh, disaster site for nuclear waste in the Western Hemisphere. And there's been, you know, as you mentioned in the intro, there's been a lot of interest as of late in the stock. That tends to happen when the, when the stock doubles, people get interested. What did I miss? Is there more there? Um, Florian and I believe that there still is a lot of upside. And um, what we wanted to do today is really talk about the Hanford opportunity. This, there's entirely different set of opportunities in the rest of their business. We've covered that in previous podcasts, but we really wanted to try to do the podcast today to clarify the Hanford site. Well, great. Who's going to get started and uh, tell uh, tell the listeners about the most recent updates? Yeah, so I think what I want to do, and, and Florian and I will both talk about this, but uh, it's also on the breakout investor platform that was mentioned. Maybe, in the maybe Aaron, before we, before we start with Hanford, um, just a very quick note. I would also strongly recommend people listen to the podcast you did with Ross Taylor about Permafix, that was really, really good. And um, it's certainly beneficial for our listeners to also listen to the perspective from Ross. And the other comment I, I had is, yes, the stock has almost doubled recently, but to be honest, um, it should have never belonged uh, down there so cheap. And we know there has been uh, a relatively price insensitive seller last year in the end of last year and all kinds of year and uh things happening so i wouldn't necessarily see it as a stock having doubled already i would see it as a stock having made back what it should never had lost and if you look at a little bit of a longer perspective the stock is barely up on on a year or so so i don't think you just from that perspective um, people haven't really missed anything yet. Yeah. Or it's just getting started. Good points. Another thing that it, it's on the platform, uh, the Breakout Investors platform, uh, is uh, a, an article that was written by 
Mark Gomes does a very good job of summarizing the Hanford opportunity and, and other opportunities with Permafix as well. Uh, but what I'm referencing now that uh, was put up on the platform today, which is when we're recording this March 16th, uh, I put up a summary of the three opportunities. People might want to refer to that, but we'll kind of use that as the basis for our discussion today, uh, just on the Hanford site. And it's important to note from the outset that these three opportunities are all independent of one another. So there's no interdependence at all. If Permafix was to benefit in one of these areas, it does not mean they would benefit in another. If Permafix does not benefit in one of these areas that we discussed today, they still could benefit in the other uh, two areas. So with that, I, I think we should begin with the biggest uh, aspect in terms of uh, revenue potential on an annual basis, and that is the integrated tank disposition contract. You'll usually, and this is one of the things that makes it difficult to understand what's going on at Hanford, you'll see lots of acronyms. It usually uh, the acronym ITDC is used to talk about uh, this contract. And the reason that I wanted to start there is not really just because of the revenue, potential revenue impact, if Permafix's group was to win, but rather because uh, the issuance of this contract, which has not happened yet, but is expected sometime uh, in the first half of this year, it shows that Hanford is moving forward and that the waste that's been there, which, uh, you know, was expected to be treated even like 12 years ago, that, that the government's finally now moving forward on this project. There are lots of other things that are going on. Florian, you can talk about them here in, in just a minute, if you'd like, of why we believe that besides the DOE's own word that this contract is going to be awarded fairly soon uh, to see that the Hanford is progressing. But that's kind of why we start there. And, and so one of the things that we've talked about, Florian and I, in the past is that even if Permafix doesn't win this ITDC contract, they still win. And we'll get into in opportunity number two and opportunity number three, why that is the case. Uh, but as long as Hanford moves forward, Permafix will benefit. But specifically on the ITDC contract, uh, we expect that Permafix would get anywhere from probably over the next, it's a 10-year contract, it's $45 billion contract. The reason Permafix would benefit is that uh, at least 225 million, I believe is the number annually, has to be given to a small business. Um, so the contract is obviously 4.5 billion per year on average over 10 years. And so we think that Permafix's opportunity is up to $225 million, but that would be a lower margin business in their treatment, probably around 15 to 20% margins, but obviously a huge uh, revenue opportunity if Permafix's group uh, where to win that bid. Florian, do you want to talk a little bit about that contract as well and, and some other indications that we've seen of why we believe Hanford is in fact moving forward? Yeah, so there are several indications. One is, of course, um, the budget request from the DOE, um, where this is explicitly mentioned. And also it is yet again <clears throat> on the priority list for the Department of Energy. So every year, they um, publish what, um, what they call their priority list. And that is just a few very important items that they deem most important to reach in the coming year. And a warning, the ITDC was already there last year. And it was one of the few items that the DOE 
did not manage to fulfill. And that is a very high priority again this year. And at this point, um, the DOE is basically, uh, in my eyes, running out of excuses um, not to award it. That's one aspect. The other aspect is um, we have, Aaron and me have uh, participated in, it was basically an educational forum and uh, representatives also from the DOE have spoken there. And um, this person basically said um, it's very close and we have never been closer to it, um, which of course is, is kind of true by definition, but it certainly um, indicated that things are really moving forward. And then um, you can also um, check with the companies that are bidding for this contract. And because they obviously are public companies, have conference calls, and all of them are still expecting an award to happen in Q1. Now, uh, Q1 is not that long anymore, but um, it's safe to assume uh, in my eyes that it will at least be um, something that is happening in the first half, um, but it could absolutely happen very, very quickly. And really, as Aaron has already mentioned, um, this contract is crucial for things to move forward. At this point, there is really also a lot of political pressure and pressure of the communities, the tri-parties, um, this tri-party agreement. Uh, all of those uh, stakeholders have a very high interest of things moving forward. Yes, and I, Florian, I think one of the things that you didn't mention is your work. You've posted some things on the platform and in our WhatsApp room that I think are even like more objective than what you alluded to in terms of uh, other public companies. But the DOE has been posting fairly regularly on their Hanford website updates to the main plant. It's called a vitrification plant. Uh, they're turning this waste, uh, the process of vitrification is turning this nuclear waste into glass. I don't want to talk too much about that. It can confuse people, but they've been basically promoting the work that's been done to get that site up and ready and how they're moving along and making progress. And right now the scheduled uh, expectation is to open that plant uh, to, for production uh, in December of, of 23. So I think the fact that the DOE has been putting this, uh, putting out press releases on that website or, you know, pictures with updates on the, on the website is also a good indicator that, that things are moving forward and progressing. Yeah, that's certainly a very good point. And if I'm not mistaken, um, the current uh, prime contract um, that is related to that facility is only running until June of this year. So yeah, there will have to be a replacement. That's the ITDC, Integrated Tank Disposition Contract. Again, we expect that Permafix would, would probably, uh, on average, you know, be able to make 100 to $225 million per year at 15 to 20% margins on that contract, which, you know, $100 million a year is more than double their current business. It, it would be relatively low margin, but still very significant uh, for a small company like this. 
But yeah, what, to give people a perspective where this number, where these numbers are coming from, um, on the priority list of the DOE, there's also a certain percentage uh, that needs to be awarded to small businesses, as Aaron mentioned. So that is, you can you can read that for yourself, right? That is a priority of the DOE quite officially. And so if you just assume that they want to keep the sort of average um, across all the awards um, <clears throat> they give away, um, and the ITDC is certainly a big award, right? So it is absolutely moving the needle um, in terms of this uh, percentage, then uh, you can assume that um, Permafix will will achieve uh, those revenue numbers that Aaron has mentioned. And um, I, I think it's also worth mentioning there are Permafix is bidding as part of a consortium for this contract. And there are only two bidders, basically two consortiums bidding. And um, so based on that alone, you could assume, yeah, we have maybe a 50-50 chance of winning, but there are some indications and rumors that the DOE is not particularly happy about work that uh, the other bidding side has performed in the past. And so it is to me safe to assume that our odds of winning are certainly better than 50-50. Yeah, and so moving beyond this ITDC, and which is again, just basically operating, servicing this plant. The reason that we have said in the past that Permafix wins, even if, they, if their group, their consortium loses, is because when the plant starts to operate, as I mentioned, they will turn this nuclear waste into glass. And this process is called vitrification. And when you vitrify the nuclear waste and turn it into glass, you create wastewater. And you can imagine that this wastewater is not exactly something that you would wanna drink. Um, it's still got a lot of bad stuff in it. And so that has to be treated in addition to the prime nuclear waste. So this is referred to as secondary waste because it's not the prime waste, it comes from the process of cleaning up the prime waste. And so this needs to be treated. Uh, and that's where Permafix comes in. Now keep in mind that Permafix is about 15 to 20 miles away from the Hanford site, their uh, Northwest facility is only that far away. And uh, we, I'll let Florian talk about um, the recent news. Uh, I think it happened in the beginning of February when the DOE came out um, with their final uh, document to talk about uh, how the secondary waste would be cleaned up and how permafix was specifically named in that. And, and Florian, if you want to go into some more detail about that, I'd appreciate it. Yes, there was a document released um, that is abbreviated WIR. And um, I'm forgetting right now what exactly the waste form of that is. Yeah. Waste incidental to reprocessing. Oh, right, right. Perfect. Thanks, Aaron. And so what this document does is, among other things, the purpose of this document is um, to classify the type of waste that Aaron has been talking about as low level. And there is a very big, because you can imagine all those, all, all that waste is radioactive and uh, contains 
contaminants uh, that are very, very dangerous. And so by definition, all this is classified as high level. But of course, once uh, the vitrification happened and um, this sort of secondary waste has basically been treated already, right? Then it's not that dangerous anymore, right? You wouldn't want to drink it, as Aaron said, but it's also not like really, really dangerous. And so what this document does is it provides a justification to classify it as low-level waste. And then all kinds of things are suddenly much easier. For example, transporting it to a facility uh, like the one that Permafix operates. And so in this document, and so that has basically been, uh, that was a very important step for, for, for all these operations to move forward. And additionally, as Aaron has hinted at, in this document, there is unmistakably Permafix mentioned with actually two of their facilities. And it is very clear that this document says that Permafix will receive secondary waste from Hanford, period, full stop. So whereas before we have always said, yeah, even if Permafix loses, it's probably it's very, very likely that they will receive some of that waste. But now we have the actual proof from the DOE. And it was a big surprise to everybody paying attention that Permafix was even named that way. Usually what is happening, they say something like the secondary waste will be treated in commercial facilities, things like that. But no, Permafix has explicitly been mentioned several times. And so based on that document, we know that even if Permafix loses ITDC, loses on this other opportunity, the testbed initiative, we will talk about later, then at least we will get, Permafix will get the secondary waste to treat. And that alone is business for decades to come, basically. And uh, being treatment, also very high margin to Permafix. Just to put numbers on this, um, what our expectation is based upon reading the document that Florian had mentioned was put out, this WIR, um, we expect that it will probably be 40 to $50 million minimum of annual revenue. It'll be at much higher margins than we talked about at ITDC. It should be around 60 to 70% margins, probably closer to that 70%. And we think that ultimately, uh, once that facility gets up and running by uh, you know, middle of 2024 into 2025, you're going to be having uh, your permafix is going to be having a dollar fifty to two dollars per share of earnings just from just from that. And as Florian mentioned, uh, it's at least a decade long. The, the document's talking about uh, the next decade. Uh, it will likely go longer than that because the only other real option that the government has is to build something on site on Hanford site to treat uh, that waste. Obviously, they're going to have a lot going on treating the, the primary waste. It's taken them a long time to get this facility up and running. And so the thought is generally that it's, it's you know, 50-50 at best, whether the government actually starts up 
its own plant on the Hanford site to treat the secondary waste. It could it it would take just by doing the treatment that's currently planned at Hanford right now on on vitrification on this ITDC that we talked about. It's estimated to take about a hundred years. So it's possible that Permafix could have you know a hundred year annuity essentially on treating this wastewater. Uh, so yeah, there is there is actually problem. in there is actually in the budget request from the DOE there is a very handy table where they list certain projects, environmental management projects with their schedule range. And the Hanford site really sticks out because they have black and white written there, a completion date in the range of 2087 to 2091. Okay, that is not something that is just rumored. That is the official stance of the DOE. So um, that is the second opportunity. Again, we've discussed ITDC, the contract to service the Hanford plant there on the Hanford site. We've talked about the second opportunity, the secondary waste, uh, which is being created because that plant is up and running at Hanford. And then the third opportunity that we want to highlight uh, for Permafix is what Florian referred to earlier, the test bed initiative. You'll hear this discussed as TBI. TBI is a, a supplementary cleanup process that's being proposed uh, by various parties that would run uh, side by side with the main Hanford cleanup uh, at, there at the site. It would happen at Permafix's facility. Permafix is the only one being discussed uh, as uh, being the, the one who would do this cleanup. Uh, Permafix has already done, I don't remember now, it was something like two gallons or five gallons or something like that almost a decade ago now uh, that, that Permafix did a proof that they could do this. And what they're doing with this, instead of turning the waste into glass, as is being done at Hanford, they're turning the waste into concrete or into grout that can then be disposed of uh, elsewhere can be transported on the highways and so forth because it's been grouted. It's not releasing any of the bad chemicals. So um, that there, there's uh, been proposed as part of TBI a three-phase process of testing. The first was this very minimal amount that I mentioned. Uh, the second phase would be 2,000 gallons, uh, which is very simple. It'll take Permafix a day or two uh, to treat that and to have that grouted. There's a third phase that has been discussed, which would be 300,000, uh, which would take Permafix almost a year to do. And then the uh, final production numbers Permafix has mentioned uh, publicly before, uh, that with a little bit of CapEx uh, to expand their facility, they could do up to a million gallons of treatment uh, per year. Now the TBI, um, Again, it would be run, it would be congruent to the, what's going on at the Hanford plant. It's it's a supplement basically to help clean it up faster. Uh, it's also uh, the government has come out. The DOE has said that it's less expensive uh, and safer for the environment because you're getting it cleaned up much faster. And so this is something that uh, has been delayed for quite some time. But again, it, it appears that the government is ready to move forward on this as part of the overall. Uh, Hanford cleanup, and I'll let Florian take over here to talk about some of the details of why we think it looks promising um, that the, that uh, 
the DOE is going to is going to come out and and uh, award uh, TBI to uh, Permafix. Yes. So there is um, one potential or one hint again to be found in the budget request from the DOE, where they basically say they are actively exploring alternatives to the certification plant and specifically mentioned the testbed initiative that they are performing this 2000 gallon test present. So that is a strong hint. And then also, and probably even more important, um, the event that Aaron and me have attended, uh, that same UE representative um, I talked about before, he has mentioned that the testbed initiative is in fact moving forward and not only that, but there will be again another um, weird document similar as the one um, we have talked about previously in terms of the secondary waste. Another such document will be released imminently, meaning basically every day now it is being finished right as we speak. Um, and this will specifically touch on the testbed initiative. There's also, if you go to hanford.gov, there is uh, a page specifically for the testbed initiative. And it says there, this uh, final waste incidental to reprocessing evaluation, this weird document is pending. And this is where you will find it then. And so <clears throat> keep in mind that these documents are a big effort and um, a considerable amount of work to perform all this this evaluation. And so they would not issue this report um, without really moving forward, right? And so we can be 100% sure that this 2000 gallon test, this phase two, um, is moving forward. And then my thinking is additionally that had, there been, had this not been successful already, and had there been even more resistance to the TBI to moving forward to phase three in this 300,000 gallons, uh, my impression is then this document would just have been continuously delayed and delayed and delayed, um, and they would not go through the trouble of, of uh, issuing this document uh, without actually moving forward. And so we are right now waiting for this document for a lot more details, similar to the one we had previously. Yeah, and if you check out our platform, and also one thing that you might check out as well as our Substack page, Breakout Investors Substack, we, uh, Florian and I attended, um, as he mentioned earlier, we attended a public meeting that was put on by the DOE locally at Hanford. It's actually the first meeting they've had um, there locally in Hanford in person uh, since COVID, but they also op offered a virtual um, option to attend. And so Florian and I uh, attended virtually and were actually able to ask questions. And one of the questions that was asked, I believe Florian asked it was about the testbed initiative, this TBI, and when this final document would be released. And their response was any day, uh, that was two weeks ago. 
um, any day in terms of how the DOE operates uh, is not necessarily any day the way that we think, but it's obviously a good indication that this document should be coming out uh, in the near future nonetheless. And to uh, highlight why this is so important as it relates to permafix and an investment in permafix is that the number that I've been floating out there and, and it's based upon some research that I've done and talking to people that are familiar with this uh, whole process is that permafix would make uh, roughly 70 million, or excuse me, $70 per gallon treated on TBI, again, at those 60 to 70% margins, probably more pushing into the 70% range. And um, so you're talking, you know, a million gallons a year that they uh, would expect to treat once fully ramped up. At $70 a gallon, you're talking 70 million, that doubles their income or excuse me, their revenue, and then uh, obviously contributes, you know, again, another um, probably two to three dollars to their earnings per share. So, you know, this is now the second time that we've talked about uh, an opportunity, each of which contributes roughly two dollars, maybe even up to three dollars per share on a company that's currently trading in the eights. Um, I see in the high eights it closed today. Uh, but nonetheless, you see, I think, why we're so excited about this opportunity and that even though as the stock has run, we continue to hold and think that there are, you know, there's even more opportunity ahead. So I will just uh, conclude here by summarizing these three opportunities. Again, they're all independent of one another. The first is ITDC, the contract to operate the Hanford facility. The second one is the secondary waste treatment uh, which as long as the Hanford facility operates, Permafix should be receiving that waste based upon the government document, the final document that was already released by the DOE. The third opportunity is the TBI, which could potentially run and supplement the main uh, Hanford facility treating the uh, nuclear waste. And so again, all three of these completely independent of one another, if Permafix was to not uh, win one of these opportunities, they could still win another. If they were to lose one of those opportunities, they could still win the others. And then in, just in terms of the revenue and margin numbers, again, on the first one, ITDC, we're thinking anywhere from 100 million to 225 million in revenue on, uh, on an average basis. It doesn't ne it's not necessarily going to be the same each year, be lower 15 to 20% margins. Uh, but when we get to these two other opportunities, the secondary waste, and TBI, we're thinking, um, you know, probably 40 to 50 million, maybe even up to, to 70 million on secondary waste in terms of revenue, 60 to 70% margins. And then um, on TBI, we're thinking that it would eventually get up to the $70 million annual revenue range at uh, roughly 70% margins. And, and, and then in earnings per share, uh, we haven't really um, focused too much on ITDC yet, but we think that there's let's just call it roughly on average $2 per share of earnings potential on those final two things, the secondary waste and the TBI. Uh, and and the real, really the reason that we focused more on that is because Permafix is, is the only one now that's uh, being discussed as uh, treating them. And so the secondary waste has to be treated. Permafix has been named as the one that will be treating that. And then the TBI, it's either Permafix or no one. Uh, 
so those are the reasons that we focused on that and, and the earnings potentials there. And we'll learn more uh, about ITDC once the contract is awarded and uh, Permafix gets more clarity as to their role as, as part of that bidding group. Yeah, I think there are a few more uh, loose odds and ends um, that need to be addressed. Um, sure. And one is we didn't talk about the rest of the business and I will not do so right now either. But suffice it to say that the rest of the business of Permafix is going very well as well. Um, it is recovering at a very late point from all the COVID disruptions. There is international expansion and so on and so forth. And so it's not, it's not difficult at all to make the case that Permafix is maybe fairly valued, maybe even undervalued based on everything that is going on, even without Hanford, right? What we have talked yes. about this whole right. podcast. And so your downside at this point is really minimal, whereas the upside is still extreme. And then I just wanted to say the other thing, and the reason why we are doing this podcast today is this Hanford stuff is complicated, right? I mean, there are all these, apart from the fact that there are all these abbreviations, but right. unless you have really spent a considerable amount of time thinking through all these moving pieces and so on, uh, I can make the case right now that there are not a lot of people that know in detail what is happening there. And you can look at the numbers, the number of people, for example, that have downloaded this weird document. It's not many. And so the case is really very strong that we have maybe not necessarily an informational, but certainly an analytical advantage at this point. And that is the reason why Permafix, despite these very strong opportunities we have talked about today, um, has still nothing of that really priced in. That's true. And also just the fact that um, Permafix has not had, they did issue a press release commenting on uh, the document that was released about a month ago by the DOE for the secondary waste, but they have not publicly been able to comment yet on uh, in detail. They didn't mention anything about the earnings. That's all an analysis that you and I have done, um, you know, from running numbers and um, doing our research in advance. And so I think, you know, until management uh, starts to say these things, which I expect that, you know, questions will be, if they don't, mention it themselves, questions will certainly be asked on their uh, upcoming conference call, which I assume they'll have sometime here in the month of March for Q4. Uh, you know, that's also when people wake up. I mean, um, a lot of times people may know that there's these opportunities to have this general idea, but actually running the numbers and, and having an idea until management says it, to some people, it's just not real. So I, I, I think that gives us an advantage as well, Florian. Yeah, and there's one one last point I would like to mention, which is uh, a very a very uh, credible and very good uh, case against Permafix uh, would be to say, oh well, um, who knows when all this revenue is going to accrue to them, and maybe there are more delays because things break down, or why should I invest in Permafix today? based on revenues that could come at year end or maybe next year or decades decades later, right? Uh, in the decade uh, from here. And 
So uh, apart from the fact that the stock market is always forward-looking, um, there are other ways, um, and not not really other ways, but let's put it that way. Management is very open to selling the business. They have been explicitly mentioning that in a loss conference call. And we we know from doing some background research that there are at least three large companies, and those are not only partners from Permafix, but also other companies that are already having a very strong look at Permafix to acquire the business. And these mostly strategic acquirers, they don't need to to wait until the day that revenue starts flowing, right? What What they really need is confidence that Permafix can perform the work we have been talking about, for example, in relation to TBI, and confidence that Permafix actually gets the necessary awards from the DOE, for example. So once we know for sure that Permafix is awarded, for example, ITDC, or their consortium is awarded ITDC, or that Permafix is awarded uh, the next step to the TBI, those 300,000 gallons, or maybe even the million gallons per year that Aaron mentioned. So once we know that, all these acquirers will not wait for the market to fully appreciate that. They will act as soon as possible. And I mean, let's not be too optimistic, but it's certainly possible that there will uh, several competing bids. And so it would be really, really good for shareholders if there was something like a bidding war. We would just have to see, but the point I'm making is that even though some of those revenues are not necessarily very much imminent, right? You could still make the case that you should not necessarily wait for them to actually show up on the income statement. And you have to be positioned ahead of it to really um, benefit from all these things to come that Aaron and me have been talking about today. That's outstanding. And point of clarification, when do you expect all of the awards will be behind us? Yeah, so it's it's very hard to say, um, especially since dealing with the government, there can always be delays, right? Um, so again, to recap the first opportunity we have talked about, that is the ITDC. Um, and we strongly expect that to be awarded in probably in Q1, but or possibly in Q1, but definitely in the first half of this year. So that will certainly be a um, public announcement. That is the ITDC. Then on TBI, we are essentially waiting now for this word document, which is um, scheduled to come out any day now for further details. That will not necessarily be the award, but I am 100% certain that it will contain a lot of details that will help us estimate the timeline going forward. And I would assume that in the course of 2023, um, if if TBI moves forward, um, the full award will happen uh, this year. And... In terms of the secondary waste, where we already know that Permafix will get it, 
when exactly there is an official award is really hard to say. But my suspicion is that this will be one of many questions on the coming conference call. Uh, to to put it to put it in one sentence, I think 2023 is the year where Permafix will benefit from Hanford, no matter what. Yes, and that's that's already it's already happening, of course. Well, thank you very much, Florian, and thank you, Aaron. Uh, the rest of the community, or speaking for the rest of the community, I'd like to say I really appreciate our information and analytical edge on Permafix. We are Breakout Investors. The Ahead of the Curve podcast is meant as an easy on-ramp to understanding today's company and the research and collaboration we do. Please join us for more discussion on Permafix and other small cap names with catalysts on our discussion platform at app.breakoutinvestors.com or via an Apple or Android app store download. The Breakout Investors Ahead of the Curve podcast is syndicated and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, listen, and give us a five-star review. Some or all the speakers may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. The views in this podcast expressed are those of the speakers, not Breakout Investors. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Neither Breckon Investors nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information presented by this podcast and any liability, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, therefore is expressly disclaimed. No one on this podcast is an investment advisor, no one is providing investment advice. Before investing in any company's stock, you must do your own research. Thank you for listening.